Shake up the points. Gonna put Hamlin to the top, Keslowski, and then Larson. As Kyle Larson wins Las Vegas. Hell yeah, guys! Big job. Seventh career win for the 28-year-old from Elk Grove, California. Last one in October 2019 at Dover. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast. First ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We are pumped because we've got a supersized episode for you this week as we're heading down to the desert. So on this week's episode, what you can expect, we're going to recap what happened in Las Vegas. The Kyle Larson win and how we did on our bets and kind of break down what happened there. And then we're going to jump to an interview with Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. He's back. He did great for us last time around at the road course, and, well, we're lucky enough to have him back for another interview. We're going to be talking heavy daily fantasy rosters and those talks, but, of course, we sprinkle in some of the regular gambling as well, so stay tuned for that. That's coming right at the top of the episode, pretty much. After we talk with Jordan, we're going to get his info, and we're kind of use it to our advantage as we break down, like always, winners, top tens, props, and head-to-head matchups. We'll try to go a little bit quicker through those, but that could be tough. We have so much to talk about. So let's get right to it. We're going to recap Las Vegas here. Just a quick look back. Kyle Larson is your winner. Another new winner, four in a row now to start the season and starting to make some people wonder, are we going to have like 16 winners for the first time in this playoff system? It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to make that happen. But Kyle Larson's the winner. We just missed. We were all over Penske last week and If the race ended after stage one, we were going to make out like bandits, like a lot of money, actually, because we had the winner. We had three top 10 picks. All of our head to head matchups hit at the end of stage one. But I digress. I mean, that's, you know, why they run the whole race. Right. So we just missed on the winner Kozlowski coming in second place there and uh, just missed on a top 10 with Ricky Stenhouse finishing 11th. Matty D was running well. He was up front a lot of that race, not up front, but in the top 10, a lot of that race. And sure enough, falls at the end. And as predicted, the Michael McDowell magic, the gambling gods have kind of worn out Michael McDowell. So that uh, it was fun while it lasted, that streak, but it has officially come to an end. What a place for the, the hot streak to come to an end, Las Vegas, right? But there were some positives that we took away. Our head-to-head picks that we called out in that segment, 3-0. Nice little parlay. I was staring at my phone for a while. Couldn't believe that that hit. So a nice little payout for us there. Um, so all three of those head-to-head matchups were winners. Gotta love that. We're off to a really good start this year with our head-to-head picks, whereas last year I kind of felt like we were really doing well on the winners and struggling with the head-to-head. So kind of a flip-flop, but we'll take it. Take it any way we can get them. And then a a bet that I actually threw personally, I threw, we talked about it, but I threw an extra amount of money on it last week and it worked out for us. It was the under 11 and a half. And of course that hit with Kyle Larson being five, number five. So just kind of felt like it was that time. And we'll touch on the over under again this week, but a good bet there for the podcast and me personally. So 
Gotta love when you can kind of scrounge up victories in those little areas. So overall, leaving Las Vegas, how do we feel? Well, I think um, it's kind of rare for people to kind of feel like they broke even, right? When you leave Las Vegas, you're either up big or you're basically taking a a taxi home or, or hitching a ride home from Las Vegas, it feels like. Well, we're breaking even, and now it's just time to turn our sights to Phoenix in the desert. Can we get hot again in the desert? That's the question. So we were very lucky to be able to have Jordan Maccabee of FantasyOnlineRacing.com join us again to talk about his breakdown. He's got so many great insights into each race. You should definitely go to that website to look at his breakdowns and his blogs each week. But we were able to snag him to just talk Phoenix and kind of see where his head's at, mostly for the daily fantasy angle. That is definitely one that we don't usually touch on. I'm not very good at that. So it's just great for anyone out there who doesn't have sports betting legal in their state yet to hear Jordan's breakdown and the guys that he likes and doesn't like this week in Phoenix. So let's flip it over to that conversation with Jordan. So we want to welcome back onto the podcast, Jordan Maccabee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. Jordan, thanks again for joining us. It was great to have you last time, and I'm glad you came back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It was a, it was a great time last time, and hopefully we can uh, provide some good advice again this time, huh? Yeah, so before we get further into this week's race, for anyone who listened to the last time Jordan was on, it was the Daytona Road Course episode. And in the middle of that podcast, he was talking about guys he likes, and he was all over Christopher Bell. So this is a, a chance here to kind of revel in that. I'll, I'll tee it up for you. I mean, were you getting – did you cash a big ticket for yourself, first of all, for that one? I mean, that was so, a great pick. Yeah, so I had like I – had, I had small bets on – I did not think he would win. like you know I was I was all over top 10 top five I had a small bet on him at 66 to 1 but oh man I couldn't believe it I was glad and you know what was funny though the best part about that so in addition to um talking about him on your podcast I he I talked about him all over my site that week like yeah there wasn't an article some guy tweeted me after the race and he goes you weren't on Christopher Bell. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. You can point me out when I'm wrong, but I, this isn't one of those times. I've never seen someone delete a tweet faster when I call him <laughs> out for it. It was awesome. I got the receipts, buddy. Like, just mm-hmm. check them. Yeah. That's funny. Guy has some balls. I mean, that, that was a, a great pick. I had people, like some friends of mine, text me like, man, that Jordan guy, he was all over that. Like, that was awesome. <laughs> When's the next time he's coming on? So. Definitely, uh, yeah, have some people looking forward to this episode, I'm sure. So have you had any uh, success like that since we talked last, some of these other races that uh, they were just at, Vegas and wherever they were before, Miami? uh, Homestead. Homestead was – I didn't – I wasn't really on Byron for Homestead. Obviously, you know, it's pretty self – or not self-explanatory, but uh, just common sense to be on Larson and Reddick at Homestead. Mm-hmm. I was pretty, I, I was very surprised that Stuart Haas was that bad at Vegas last week. 
Um, and I, I was, I was on Hendrick last week. I was more on chase and, and Bowman than I was Larson, but you can't count out Larson. I mean, it's Kyle Larson, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, Stuart Haas and their lack of speed is definitely what's going to be the talk of fantasy NASCAR and probably betting as well this week. Yeah, it, it was kind of scary. And I had a guy um, DM me. I'm going to talk about it later in the, the podcast, but he actually had the ability to bet on lead lat finishes for drivers, which I think is like so cool. Um, yeah. I don't have that ability. And so he had a bunch of the big names like Harvick and he was good until about like 25 laps. And then all of a sudden I'm looking up, like I was kind of keeping track of it because I was so interested in it. Harvick's getting lapped. I was like, yeah. what is happening with those guys? It was wild. They were, you know, you know, they're struggling when, when Harvick's, you know, immediately drop into like 14th and then everyone else is just running 30th, you know, behind Corey LaJoy. Like, <laughs> and that's, uh, and, you know, now I'm going into Phoenix, which is obviously Harvick's best track. We really don't know what to expect. Are they missing the setups that bad or do they just suck right now? You know, yeah. typically what I've found for, I've been doing fantasy NASCAR for 15 years. I've found that when you're slow out of the gate like that, you don't, you don't fix it in a week. You fix it. It's usually about Charlotte or when used to be Charlotte about race 12 is when there'll be a shift of speed and some teams will catch up. Some teams will move back. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely you know if Harvard comes out and he doesn't even crack the top ten at Phoenix, we know we absolutely know something is completely wrong with Stuart Haas. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, so might as well start talking about Phoenix since we're talking about Harvick. I guess you had said to me in the past or when we were connecting about um, jumping on for this this episode, you know, Phoenix has been tough in the past for you, like betting and, and fantasy, do you think um, the kind of reconfiguration that they did with the start finish line at Phoenix, and then even throwing in like the fact that the championship race is now there, like later in the year, do you think that changes any approach for you is like putting together a lineup for any reason? Um, I, so I think, I think Phoenix is relatively easy to predict um who's going to contend i am not good at specifically DraftKings. i've i just haven't been able to put a lineup together at phoenix for whatever reason it's just i'm real i'm really good in general fantasy you know with phoenix but just not DraftKings. uh i don't think it's changed that much um but as far as like when i'm analyzing this week i'm basically taking that championship race and throwing it out the window last year yeah, that was the the biggest display of nobody else gave a shit exactly. except for the champion. Like that was just pathetic. It was NASCAR should be ashamed of itself for allowing that to happen, but that's what they allow with this format. Because you know we kind of saw it with Homestead when Homestead was a race, but it was so bad last year. You know, like Chase Elliott, I get he had a great car, but being able to drive from the back to the front that quick with no competition at all, like you just know people don't. People don't want to screw up. They don't want to wreck him, but it's it's pathetic to see, I think. Yeah, and, it, and like you said, it, it almost – for people who are looking at the, the data and everything like that, it's a complete throwaway. 
and oh yeah you know it makes you you know it's kind of like when you're looking back at homestead a couple weeks ago like you kind of have to take all of that stuff with a grain of salt um because yeah. of the fact that people are just getting out of the way the thing so kind of staying on harvick um we think uh, i think you mentioned them right off the gate i think of them when i hear phoenix and i think that was from years ago but mm-hmm. when you actually look at it like he hasn't really he had that stretch of like four in a row or something like that and and that's when he made his bones there but like how far back do you go when you're looking at the numbers and, and like what's your like cutoff is it like the last 10 races like some sites have uh, i think driver averages give you like the last six races because mm-hmm. if you look at those two differences like that changes kevin harvick's you know right. uh, stats so what what's the way that you play it I typically, so like right now I'm, I'm basically focusing on the last two years of data. So 2019, okay. 2020, I'm, I'm really focusing on those. Yeah. Especially, you know, for, for intermediate tracks, just because that package is so different than what it was. Um, and Harvick, you know, yeah, it used to be, it wouldn't be when Harvick's going to lead at Phoenix. It's how often, and every single time it'd be like 200 laps. Um, Definitely, I think he's lost an edge. Kyle Busch kind of took over that dominator role there for a while. Um, but Harvick's still, you know, top five every single time. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous how good he is at this track. Yeah, even if he's not winning, he's still up there. So, I guess when we're talking about daily fantasy, which is really the biggest reason why we like having you on, is give that edge to people. When you're looking at the top, guys the most expensive guys or, or the guys at the top of the the roster sheet who out of all of them is worth the money is it harvick or is it somebody else that you know looking to spend your money wisely who's the the sure thing in a right. fantasy format so what's interesting and so FanDuel has harvick priced you know super high so i don't think i don't think harvick's worth it there on FanDuel. DraftKings is a little different though. So they have, they also have him priced as highest. They have him at 11,009. And obviously, you know, chances are he's going to finish top five. Like I don't, I don't see Stuart Haas being that bad. Uh, I think it's kind of getting a little bit blown out of proportion, but the only way that he's going to end up in the optimal lineup is if a dominator isn't who we think is going to dominate just because of how the other salaries come out. So for the most part, you know, people are going to be on Chase Elliott this week, who's the second highest priced. Uh, Logano's up there. Keselowski's up there, 10-4. And then Larson's kind of, you know, right in that mid-9-6 range. But I I just don't see – I think it's going to take, like, a dominator like Christopher Bell or someone um, or, you know, William Byron down there – in order for Harvick to make it into the top lineup of the week. I think, I think he's priced a little too high with not enough dominator outside. Okay. So if you're not taking Harvick, who is appealing to you? Cause I mean, you mentioned chase being, you know, priced pretty high. Mm-hmm. He's another guy that I wanted to ask you actually directly about because do people just have recency bias there and is it misplaced recency bias because of what we talked about earlier, like that, you know, championship race that he won or are there legitimate reasons why you would spend the money on chase? 
Oh, absolutely. So he also had the best car here last spring, if you remember. He led like 90-something laps. Uh, he had to pit late. I forget what for, but that's why. But so Phoenix, basically what I do when I look at Phoenix is I throw all the flat tracks together, all the short flat tracks. So we had two races at Martinsville last year, uh, a race at Richmond, a race at um, New Hampshire, and then two more races at Phoenix. Um and then two total races at Phoenix. Richmond is the closest track to Phoenix. It translates the best. But when you throw those six races together, uh, average finish-wise, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, all under 5.0 average finish. Like, wow. just average driver rating, all three of them have an average better than 120. Average running position. Wow. All, yeah, it's like you remember. You remember back at the road course, of you know it was Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and then everybody else. Same thing here with flat tracks. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, everybody else. They are just and that was that was last season though. So I could make a case for, you know, maybe the Gibbs guys come up there because I think Gibbs has more speed this year than they do last year. Um, but if you're going strictly off of last year's data. It's Logano, Keselowski, and uh, Chase Elliott, and it's not close. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so those three um, all led almost 500 laps each on flat tracks last year. Fourth best was Truex at 272. Huh. Yeah. That's just that's wild. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think I would have thought to try to put those tracks together and, and see what comes out in the wash there and – that's really good stuff to, to know that heading in. So any of those guys, it sounds like what you're saying is if you're picking any of those three guys to be in your lineup, you should be in decent shape to, to be kind of the, the go-tos. In but then you, also, then you also have to throw in Kyle Larson. So we don't have any data on him good point. from last year. So that's where it's going to be where you can't totally rely on 2020 data. Um, and he's obviously in a better car. So he was really good here at Phoenix in his Ganassi car. So his last four starts here, fourth, fourth, sixth, and third. Holy now cow. I mean, now, that's now – Yeah, now he's starting second in a significantly better car. I My algorithm this week has him projected to win. So I was going to ask you about that because I did see that you were all over him on your site um, to win the race. Um, you know, I you mentioned the, him in a few different blogs. I love the value. So he can still, you can still grab him at 10 to one on bet MGM. I love that bet. Like that's a great should, value. He should be up there with Kez, Keselowski opened at nine and immediately got jumped down to six. Larson should have done the same thing. I don't know why he didn't, especially with how good Chase Elliott was here. He's basically running the same car that Chase is. And he's already ran really well here before. That's, I mean, you're selling me on him. I, I so <laughs> you tell me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a degenerate. Um, and I just have a thing it, with, it's based in no reality that I just can't take the guy who won last week when we're talking to, to win the race. Um, yep. Obviously you're selling me on Larson for another bunch of different other bets, but, Back-to-back winners, I'm just like, 
can't do it. Um, but you're kind of selling me that value. I mean, if you can get them there and, and those stats, I mean, makes sense. Do you have a, any, you know, hang ups about back-to-back winners or you just go for it? Look at a silo. Um, I don't really take that into consideration. Although I will, I, <laughs> so since I bet on him, I can't recommend betting on him <laughs> because I'm, <laughs> because I'm such a jinx, you know, we were talking about that before how yeah. last week I was on Elliot and Bowman. Uh, the only, the only thing that I have found that I do not like about Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson this week, and it deals more with DraftKings than anything is uh, so looking at the last two years of Phoenix data, Kyle Larson has an average finish of 4.7. And I'm also going to bring up Kurt Busch here because he has an average finish of ninth in those four races. Larson's only ran three of those races, but still you get the point. The combined total between those two in fastest laps is five. I could not believe that at all. I couldn't believe I can kind of believe it with Kurt Busch. He typically doesn't put up the fastest laps. He's just, you know, he's consistent and he gets there at the end. But Larson not having any fastest laps, it, I'm definitely taking that into consideration. I get, you know, he's not, he wasn't as good as car as he was now or is now. But that's, it's something that keeps sticking in my mind. You know, how big of a difference is that going to make? And like I said, so Richmond is a, is very similar to Phoenix. I think uh, Ryan with iFantasyRace.com, he, he basically compares it as a reverse Phoenix, um, and it's a little bit shorter. But you look at the last two years of Richmond data, Larson only ran the two races in 2019, but again, seven total fastest laps. So that's one trend that I really don't like about Larson this week. Interesting. I can, I can make a case, and I have – you know, that he's going to go out and could dominate this race and just like Chase did last fall. But if I, you know, gun to my head, I have to make a case to not pick him. That would be why. Interesting. I, I like hearing about different, you know, metrics. And that's one that, you know, I'm definitely not as privy to. Um, so that's just really interesting to hear about, you know, looking at it that detailed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, we could let's, I think it ends when you do all the, the weighing, it sounds like though, he's still worth the, the 10 to one. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. I I'll probably put more on that before this, before the week or before the race actually starts, especially if they keep him at 10 to one. So if you're out there and you're putting, uh, the top guy in your lineup, you know, choosing one of those guys that you just mentioned, who have been great here and, and the other tracks that are comparable. Um, how do you kind of build the bottom of the lineup? Who are some guys that can kind of be the, the caboose, the, the anchor mm-hmm. to a, a winning lineup this weekend? Cause that's a lot of times, you know, people will not probably as many as you get, but do get some people that say to me like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this for my fantasy? And, and I'm not great at the daily fantasy stuff. Um, and they always tell me it's hardest to pick, the guys at the bottom of the lineup, the guys that are, you know, the deep value. So yeah. anybody that stands out to you this week that might be able to help some, uh, some people out looking for that. So as far as like safer, cheap options, uh, just looking here at DraftKings, Cole Custer, I, as much as, like I said, I think the Stuart Haas thing is overblown. 
Cole Custer performed really well on flat tracks last year. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Average finish is 16.8. Average running position is 17.3, which for, you know, a guy starting 24th, if he can get you a top 15, that's pretty solid. Um, I think he ran really well here in the first. Yeah, I think uh, he finished finishes. ninth. He finished West ninth. Uh, his green flag speed was 14th. Average running position of 14.1. You know, and it's it's a Stuart Haas car. So, like I said, like, unless they come out completely flat again, he's going to be good. Uh, you also have Ryan Newman down there in, in cheap land for uh, a relatively cheap land in DraftKings, uh, always good at flat tracks, you know, is going to be there at the end. Uh, looking here, average running position is 17.5 on flat tracks last year. If you want to dive even deeper, you know, like go into the deep, deep sleepers, uh, Suarez, of course, um, starting 27th, he, DFS wise, he's probably going to be a pretty popular pick. And then DraftKings has Ryan Priest and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. basically priced with the back markers. And the reason they did this is because they start, Stenhouse starts 11th and Priest starts 15th. Super risky. So if you're looking just to, you know, make a little bit of money, obviously I'm not going to sit there and, and say pick them. I did talk about Priest in my preview this week, though. I think he could surprise some people. Uh, he last year he had a bunch of problems just finishing races but when he did actually get to the end his stats aren't awful and that team's running really well this year um last year on flat tracks even for a bad season with priest average finish of 22 average running position at 23 um at that price it's just uh it's hard to not have some exposure with him and then if you want to go deep 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 you know, bottom of the barrel. Um, JJ Yaley is in the 52 or the 53 this week, one of the Rick Ware cars, but uh, he always outperforms his equipment. So huh. his last, his last three races here, which were the two races last year. And then the fall race of 2019, he finished all three of them were in different Rick Ware cars. Uh, one was Chevy and one of the two with Ford. <laughs> But uh, finishes of 30th, 26th, and 29th. So if you're looking for super, super cheap option, that's that's definitely one. You know, and before that, he ran uh, with BK Racing. Uh, he did have a like a 38th place finish here in 2018. But before that, 29th, 31st, 30th, 29th, 28th. Like he's always he does better than you expect. So if you're looking, you know, to really load up on those top dollar guys, those studs, uh, JJ Yearly can provide that, that salary relief for you. I love that. I love, uh, the deep sleeper there with him. I mean, he is someone that I can tell you, I probably have never dug deep into looking into just because doing like the typical, you know, gambling, uh, aspect of it. He's not really a possibility, you know, they don't really give you head to heads on him. So I've never looked at his numbers. Um, so that was, Oh, no, you're good. That was uh, a good name. I like that name. People want to get greedy at the top of their lineup. Yeah. And it could, you know, it could end up working out if we get, I think there was, I forget what year it was at Phoenix, but there was like a big wreck that took out, you know, 10 cars. 
obviously in DFS, you're going to have then one of the back markers probably make it into the optimal lineup. And I still think that he could just because of how they priced, you know, the studs this week of, you know, and that opens the door for Harvick getting into the lineup as well. When you, when you, you know, when you're picking Harvick over Blaney then, because you have that extra cap space, it, it, it can work out. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I guess then the only other question I have for you as far as the daily fantasy roster is who to avoid. Um, last time I asked you that question, you, you steered us away from Austin Dillon and it worked out great. Uh, it took a little while for him to fall off on the road. I was going to say, up there. <laughs> he, he had me worried. He was, he ran really well on that race. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He did uh, do better, but then eventually he, he did just like you said he would. Yep. So anybody that stands out to you as like hands off this week, just completely avoid. Um, I would DFS wise. Um, I'd probably stay away from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He starts way too high. He, I know we just talked about, or I just talked about, you know, how they have him super low price, but I'd, I'd still rather roll the dice with Priest over him. Um, other than that, I can make a case for a lot of guys. <laughs> um a lot of guys to avoid or, or to or no, a lot of guys just to consider this week, you know, yeah, just, okay. okay. Um, I, I'm going to have to stick with my brand here and, and say Austin Dillon. <laughs> okay. Poor Austin. He's uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, zero top tens in the last six Phoenix races. Uh, actually, it might even be worse than that. He did have a top 10 here five races ago. Zero, one top 10 in the last nine Phoenix races and only one top 20 in the last four. Wow. He's, okay. he's, he starts uh, 13th. And, yeah, I if I made 500 lineups, he wouldn't be on a single one of them. I can guarantee that. I, I kind of like to hear that. Um, a, to avoid him in, in daily – but uh, I have some notes here, what I'll be getting into later in the episode. And, and I have a, a quick note about a head-to-head with him and Cole Custer that I mm. was on the Cole Custer train for, um, for similar reasons that you just laid out there. So, um, yeah, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about that. It was kind of a throw-in head-to-head that I'll get to in a bit. But thank you for that. Makes me feel good. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to make a note in my head to – uh, when we get to that, I can make a case for Austin Dillon in that. <laughs> well, that uh, just just lay it on now. Then lay it on now. What's so? The, I, what's the case for Austin in the head-to-head matchup? I keep flashing back to, like I said, Richmond is the most recent or the most similar track to Phoenix. Do you remember the Richmond race last year? No, last year's a blur. <laughs> so so Keselowski dominated it or yeah Keselowski led like 200 of the 400 laps dominated it Austin Dillon though led 55 laps in that race he honestly I think he had the best car 
they had a pit road error that got him back in the field. Hmm. I, and I, I just keep flashing back to that. Like if they hit on something there, they could easily do it again this weekend, but they didn't show that speed, you know, in the, in the Phoenix finale. So I'm kind of getting away from it, but yeah, I honestly, Austin Dillon, I think had the best car at Richmond last year outside of definitely outside of Keselowski, but uh, he, he had a really strong car in that race. His uh, second and green flag speed in that race. Damn. Well, I think he finished that in fourth, mind. too. They're, we're coming up to Richmond pretty shortly, aren't we, in the schedule? I don't have it in front of me, but we'll be I know we got, soon. Uh, we got Atlanta and then the Bristol Dirt Race coming up. That's as far as my brain goes forward. Yeah, I knew that was yeah, in the near future. We do. So then we have a break for Easter and then Martinsville and then Richmond. So okay, so it's a little further out, but still something to kind of put, you know, in the brain for later. Um, yep. And we'll see. I guess the I'm anxious to see, you know, because I'm very interested in this comparison of the different tracks. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, find something and, and use it this week in Phoenix at a track where, as you said, he's been historically bad at recently. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. I like watching for that stuff. Um, okay. So my last question for you, I wanted, we'll, we'll get away from the daily fantasy, uh, for, for this one head to head matchup. I'm going to throw one at you at random here. want you to make a quick gut decision or, you know, anything that you have in mind that leads you one way or the other and let me know why. And I'm going to give you a chance at revenge on William Byron, uh, because you may remember last time you were on, we talked about Byron versus Stenhouse, or no, um, A.J. Allmendinger mm-hmm. in the road course. And we were both all over Byron in that matchup, and Byron let us down. Now, I have always had this weird history with William Byron. When I bet on him, he does horrible, and when I bet against him, he steps up. So the matchup I'm going to throw your way is Byron, who's the underdog plus 100, versus Ryan Blaney, heavy favorite, minus 132. Who are you taking in that head-to-head matchup? Oh, that's tough. (laughs) So Ryan Blaney is interesting because, like I said, Richmond compares the most to Phoenix. Ryan Blaney sucks at Richmond. He is awful at Richmond. He said that like many times too. It doesn't make sense because he's really good at Phoenix. He's finished like top six in the last three of the last four. And I think that his other one, he had like a, an engine go out or something. Again, that's tough. I like the under, underdog aspect of Byron, but I'm not betting against Blaney in that, in that head dead. Makes sense. I'd have, to, I'd have to take Blaney. Penske's so good here, um, but on flat tracks they were last year, and I know Hendricks, Hendricks the team right now. But just going off the of last year's stuff for now, since I mean we don't have any flat track data this year, uh, I'd have to go Blaney. I don't mind like you know like my my betting brain though would take like. My my brain says Blaney, but I'd take Byron <laughs> because you don't you want the you want the plus one hundred value. Yeah, exactly. I want the value. Yeah, that no, makes sense. I 
you know, I want to see, I, I would probably lean Blaney as well. I like the Penske, um, actually the, the prop bet for Penske again this week, I think it's like plus 200 or 250 for a Penske car to win the race. Um, I like that oh, no kind of just to, just to get something on those three, you know? Um, but yeah, in that matchup, I, I'm kind of going against Byron for revenge purposes, um, <laughs> <laughs> just to see if we have this still, still have this rivalry this year. So we'll yeah. see. I'll, I'll ride with you on that. So anything, uh, anything else worth mentioning as it pertains to Phoenix here before I let you go? Yeah, I think that's all I got. Uh, you know, if you want to go over a couple sleepers, got uh, to I win. Really like, uh, not to win. Like, I, I don't really love betting on winners, but De Benedetto plus 175 for a top 10 is really good value. I yeah. really like that a lot. <clears throat> I also like uh, Tyler Reddick plus 230 top 10. Love that. Love that. I'm going to be talking about that when I'm doing the the top 10 section that I'm going to record in a bit here. Um, I'm glad that you said that Reddick stands out to me as well. It, it just doesn't seem like the value. I think he had a couple rough races here, but the, I think the stats prove otherwise. Um, yeah. So uh, the first race last year at Phoenix, he had a legitimate top five car. He finished ninth in the first stage and fourth in the second stage. And it was just that was on pure speed. And then I think he had, I think he hit the wall or something and, and finished 33rd. And then the fall yeah. race was the fall race. Yeah. That value just doesn't make sense. So it seems like an opportunity to kind of jump on that. So mm-hmm. glad you, glad you said it. All right. Well, Jordan, where can uh, people find you on, on social? I know you're very active on Twitter. Where can, people follow you yeah so my twitter handle is uh fan racing online and that's definitely my uh my most active channel right now you're you're putting out good stuff i saw that you predicted uh the lineup before it was like right after the race was over on sunday you already had the lineup pretty much cooked out ready to go yeah so that was like just an annoyance thing for me because nobody like it's a simple math formula. Literally, all you gotta do is you all you gotta do is copy and paste the 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 raw feed, and I and nobody would do it. And I'm like, I need to, I need to know. Like, I'm curious. I want to know this. So I finally just you know put the thing in Excel, and now I do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good info to have early on when you're starting to formulate your stuff. So, at yeah. Fan Racing Online is that what it was? Twitter yep. handle. Great. Well, give Jordan a follow. I'm going to get some good information from that. Jordan, thanks again for jumping on. We really appreciate it. No problem. All right, all right, all right. Well, thanks once again to Jordan for coming on. FantasyRacingOnline.com is the website. He gives us such good information, very valuable stuff. So if you want more of that, make sure you check out that site. His content is definitely some of the best in the business. And hopefully we'll see more of Jordan as this year goes along. I think we'll, we'll target a race in the near future for him to come back. So great stuff as always from him. Now let's get to our picks to win the race 
as always, when we start with this area, we like to break down the track stats, as we call them, um, just some basic information. And we kind of touched on Phoenix in general when we were talking with Jordan, the beginning part of that conversation. But to get to what we usually talk about, 49 races here total in the past. Somebody has won from the pole six times. The last time it happened was Chase Elliott in the 2020 race. Starting in the top five, 36% of the time the winner starts there. And top 10, 55% of the time. Outside of the top 20, it's only happened four times. And the last time it happened was a bit of a surprise winner, you would call it, Ryan Newman in 2017. So not really much of a pattern when you're looking at manufacturer like we've seen over the past few races. So it's kind of anybody's game. Now, you really want to start focusing on a team we were kind of focusing on Stuart Haas there a little bit, whether they're going to be good or bad. That's really maybe one way to go rather than trying to focus on a pattern for one of the manufacturers. So um, we talked about the championship race playing a factor. And, you know, clearly when you're looking at these stats, it makes it tough because how much stock do you put in that race now? And, you know, clearly Jordan kind of throws it out. And I tend to agree with that. So it's really looking at the spring race when you want to project this one. And we're going to be doing a little bit of that as we go. Now, the favorites are usually a good choice when we're coming to Phoenix. There's not typically a guy like we called out Ryan Newman in 2017. That was a bit of a surprise. But normally at Phoenix, you're really going to get somebody who's, quote unquote, supposed to win. You could call it that. So we've got a couple favorites right now as far as the odds are concerned. We've got Chase Elliott, who you heard Jordan was all over Chase, and also Brad Keselowski. They're going off at plus 550 and plus 600, respectively. So you definitely heard Jordan talking about the reasons why Brad, Chase, and he actually threw in Joey as really good picks to win the race. So we'll leave it at that. I've got three other guys that I'm going to call out for the value purpose here that we didn't really dive into too much. One of them we did, but the other two, not so much in my conversation with Jordan. So the first guy I'm calling out, going off at plus 800, this value to me is what really stood out. It's Kyle Busch. Solid value for him at this racetrack. He's won back-to-back races in the past at this track from 2018's fall race into 2019's spring race. Looking at his last 10 races, two wins, eight top fives, nine top tens. The one time he missed the top 10 was this past fall in that championship four race. He finished 11, so he just missed it. His stats are just crazy good. Like, no matter how you slice it, doesn't matter if you look at recently or 10 races out or lifetime. He's good here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He's starting seventh which only puts him in a really good position. We saw it happens, you know, the winner starts in the top 10 more than 50% of the time. So that's a good thing for the 18 car. His driver rating is third on the circuit, 104.7. I love when I'm seeing a guy with a driver rating over 100, 104 there. His average finish is first 3.6 in the last 10 races, 3.6. I mean, Jordan touched on that a second ago. We kind of think of Harvick when we talk about Phoenix. He's the guy who has been good recently. So really something to think about because normally when you see a guy with an average finish, 
of 3.6, the odds match that. He's very, you know, shorter odds. But 8-1, to one, not too bad. He finished third last week, so it kind of seems like the 18 team is putting it together. Gibbs definitely seems like they are fast this year. Last year in the spring, fastest green flag lap. He was fifth in that category. So all signs are kind of pointing to a, a good day for the 18 car. I like him at this number. Lock it in. The 18 of Kyle Busch plus 800. Next, I can't talk about Phoenix I, I, you know, without talking about Kevin Harvick. I can't do it. His stats are too good here. Now, we did talk a little bit about him and why you know, maybe he's starting to fade a little bit. But at plus 650, I'd feel silly not putting money on Kevin Harvick. So this used to be his place. Four straight wins. He had six wins of eight races at one point. I mean, this was the place that it was nobody else that had a chance. It was Kevin Harvick. He was the guy. Now, not so much, but I can't live with myself if I don't bet on him at plus 650 and I see that four car up front. So just a quick look back. Last 10 races, he has two wins. Last win that he has was in 2018. Seven top fives, 10 top tens. So 10 straight top tens, and he's still putting up great numbers. Even though he's not an automatic win, I mean, those numbers are phenomenal. His average finish is second to Kyle, 4.5. And after those two guys, after Kyle and Harvick, if you're really hell-bent on average finish, which I know a lot of people kind of look down on, it's a complete drop-off. Like, his average finish is 4.5. The next best guy is 10.2. So you have these two guys that are up front, as far as average finish is concerned, and their odds are pretty good to win the race for you as the gambler. So that's interesting. Uh, driver rating is first on the circuit, 110.6. I mean, the guy just has it going there when you're looking at really any stat. Now, Vegas, they were they were rough there. I mean, Stuart Haas didn't have it at Las Vegas. So is this a racetrack where they're able to kind of rekindle that? We'll see. He had... Just last spring, so a year ago, he had the fastest green flag lap in the whole field, and he finished second. So, all good things. I mean, like I said, we're not talking about Harvick winning the races most recently like he used to, but he's still right there. It's almost like lurking in the shadows. So, maybe he'll bounce back, kind of claim this season, and uh, get it going. So, plus 650, I'm comfortable with that number for Kevin Harvick in the four car. Last guy I'm going to talk about, we didn't speak a word of him yet so far in this podcast, it's Denny Hamlin also going off at plus 650. He's surprisingly solid here. He won in the 2019 fall race, so that was not a championship race at that point. But speaking of championship races, he did finish fourth here last year. So it's a possibility that they have something to work with here as far as a setup is concerned. Last 10 races, he has one win, five top fives, seven top tens. Three of his last four races, he had a top five finish. His driver rating is fourth, 98.3, and his average finish is third. He, When we talked about that cliff of you know dropping off from Kyle and Harvick, well, it goes to Denny Hamlin, which I didn't foresee as the case when you think about the Kozlowskis, the Elliots, the Loganos, the, the, you know, average finish, if you love it or hate it, doesn't matter. Hamlin is third on that list. So I can see myself rallying around ha Hamlin this weekend, plus 650 is a good number. He finished fourth last weekend, 
So he's got a little bit of momentum. The question is, who's going to be the first normal driver, you could say, to win a race? I mean, I guess if you're a big Larson fan, you hate me saying that. But guys who were good last year, dominant last year, who's going to be the first one to do it? And Harvick and Hamlin were the stars of the show last year. So will it be one of those guys? If it is, I want in on that action on both of them, plus 650. So Bush, Harvick, and Hamlin are the picks to win the race this weekend in Phoenix. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. So now let's get to the top 10 and prop section. I have a lot to talk about in this area of the podcast. We're going to get right down to it. Three guys for top 10 picks. Kind of going on some long shots here. So bear with me because that's what we want to do in this top 10 section. We want to go for some guys with some longer odds, make it a little fun. But first guy that we're going to call out He's right on that perfect spot on the list, okay? He's going off at plus 105. I love that. Just getting a little bit extra value, um, not giving up anything, and that's Kurt Busch. That's who we're talking about here. I think that this is an opportunity for people to snag him. I would be surprised if on Sunday morning he was still at plus 105. I think he might uh, get some shorter odds there. So keep your eye on Kurt Busch. His last 10 races, one top five. Five top 10, so 50% of the time he's in that spot that we're looking for here. His average finish is 8th on the circuit, 13.5. That's his average finish over the last 10 races. His driver rating is 6th, so that stood out to me. I love driver rating as a stat. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows that. I harp on it all the time, and I was kind of shocked when I saw Kurt I mean, there's so many big names. We called them out a bunch already in this podcast episode that are good at Phoenix. And Kurt shocked me when I saw that he was that good when you're looking at driver rating at this track. So that stands out to me here. Now, he's just a, a fan of the spring race, which, hey, I mean, that's where we're headed. So why not focus on that stat? Because four of his five top 10 finishes in the last 10 races have come in the spring race. So really good stuff there if you want to get a little bit further into it. And then just looking at his last four races overall at Phoenix, his finishes were 12th, 6th, 11th, and 7th. So he's right there. It's like exactly what we're looking for. So he's going to make it interesting for you if you're placing this bet. Now, so far in 2021, four races in, he's got a top five and two top tens. So pretty solid for Kurt in that one car thus far. Plus 105, that's worth it to me. I like it. Mock it in. Kurt Busch, one car. Let's get it done. Now, he was more of the you know easy pick, safety pick kind of thing because we're setting up for a possibility to cash in on some of these young guys. And the first one we're going with here is Tyler Reddick, plus 230. That number just doesn't make sense to me. Now, he had some rough finishes in the 2020 campaign at Phoenix, but that did not tell the whole story. He wrecked in that first race, just some bad luck there. 33rd is where he finished in the spring race last year at Phoenix, but that you know, he had a fast race car. I think we talked about it with Jordan. I mean, he was up front for a little bit there. His spring race, he had the seventh fastest green flag lap. His drive rating in that race was 12th. So he had a good race. 33rd place finish does not tell the story for the eight car there. 
So if he puts a good race together, what's to say that he can't go out and snag a top 10? He has shown that he can, the team can put a setup together and he can go and ride in that area of the pack. So I like this for the odds. I mean, it's a really long shot, plus 230 when you're looking at the full list, but I think it's very possible. So when we're talking about these top 10 picks, I like possible. It's something that I'm willing to, you know, throw a small amount of money down on and see what comes back. So lock me in for Tyler Reddick and the eight car. And then keeping that same vein, it's Cole Custer plus 275, even more outrageous. He finished ninth here last spring. He had the 14th fastest green flag lap in this race. His driver rating through two races in his career is 15th compared to everyone on the circuit. That's not out of this world, right? We're not talking about a guy who's like 35th in driver rating. No, he's 15th. So if he drives a little bit better race than he's used to, shit, just do what you did last spring and we're going to be in good shape here. The value is the draw in this pick. Plus 275, it's going to be really tough to find someone further down the list that you know has a real shot to finish in the top 10 uh, with that type of money. So we probably could call on some of these other guys, like plus 150, plus 175, but plus 275 gets my attention for someone who did what we're asking them to do just a year ago. Now, the head-to-head here, uh, I mentioned it earlier. I like Cole Custer in the head-to-head against Austin Dillon. Austin just hasn't figured it out at Phoenix. One top 15 in the last six races for Austin Dillon. So if we think that Custer is going to be able to put together a top 10, you know, is he going to be able to beat Dillon? I think so. I mean, if Dillon's not in the top 15, and I think that Custer is going to be within the realm of possibility for a top 10, to me, that's just basic math. Lock it in. I mean, I like the 41 car over the three this week. Even though Austin's been treating us good so far this year, I like him. I like Custer, excuse me, in this matchup. And I like him top 10 plus 275. So a lot of risks here so far in this top 10 segment. And hey, that's what we're all about. We want to cash in some of the bigger tickets, not the obvious ones. Now, Let's go back to the over-under pick because we hit on that last week. It was over-under 11.5 last week. Well, they made it a little bit tougher for us this week because they've dropped it down to 10.5. That's the threshold. That's the over-under this week. And the under is plus 100. I'm going to take the under this week because look at who you're getting. I mean, you know, Brad Kozlowski, you got Harvick. You got Chase, you got Larson. Those are all guys who have strong chances to win this race. So if you're getting money, plus 100, you're getting money, the underdog pick there, and you got those four guys, shit, I like it. Lock me in again for the under. This week it's 10.5. They're getting a little crafty on us. They're eliminating Hamlin from that bet, but I still like the under when you're looking at it that way. I mentioned earlier, Penske plus 250. I just needed some action in some way, shape, or form on the Penske guys because of how good they've been. So I like getting all three of those guys. Solid value, plus 250. I was kind of shocked. I thought it was going to be a little bit lower than that. But, hey, plus 250, I 
really like that. Brad Kozlowski starting on the pole. You're, you're going to be starting right off the bat with some action up front. So I love that. Now, the last thing I just want to mention, as far as a prop bet is concerned, we've got our guy Phil out there on Instagram. He messaged me. He's been great. He's been listening to this podcast for a while now. And he sent me a message on race day last week because he was able to put together a parlay based on drivers finishing on the lead lap. And I just found that fascinating, right? That is such a cool bet in my mind because you can start to bet on guys that you typically might not be able to bet on realistically, right? So you could take like a Suarez and start cheering for Suarez to just finish on the lead lap. Um, He put together a parlay. I was following that parlay more than I was really following my own bets because I was so intrigued by this, right? So he was using the app, the, the Bet Rivers app, Sportsbook. And so I went to, you know, look that up on my phone and found out that I was unable to do that because it's a state by state regulation. So in the state that other Phil was in, that was a, a legal bet. And in the state that I'm in, Pennsylvania, it's not available. So two things here. One, that is going to be the topic for a future Phil's Fired Up, maybe next week, because I've been doing some investigation on what the hell that's about. Um, so stay tuned for that. But two, check your app. Check your you know state that you're living in. Uh, if it's not Pennsylvania, you might have a shot to be able to place this lead lap finish bet. I think that is just such an awesome prop bet. So check your website. Check your sports book. See if it's available. Uh, we know that Bet Rivers at least carries it in, in one state. So... Look it up, because if you're able to do that, I think you could have some real fun, and they let you parlay and box some guys together. Very cool. So, lead lap finish. Hopefully, that's something we all see down the road. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! So, now we'll move on to the head-to-head section of the podcast, and we've already got one that Jordan gave out earlier when I put him on the spot. He took Blaney over Byron. I'll ride with that pick as well getting some revenge on William Byron. So lock that in right at the top of the order here. And now we'll break down three more picks that I like the matchups. It was actually really tough to find good matchups that really stood out to you. Uh, The ones that I chose here really were because they're kind of different drivers. And I love digging into, you know, different guys when I can from time to time, because you're so used to looking at the big guns, the heavy hitters, um, it's nice to be able to see some matchups of the guys that maybe riding a little bit further back in the pack. So we're going to start with a fun matchup because these guys essentially swapped rides last year. It was Chris Buescher versus Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They're both going off at minus 115. This is such an equal matchup. So hard to find an advantage one way or the other here because there's really a difference when you're looking at the the length of the stats, how far back you want to go. If you want to look the full 10 races ago and look at the stats there, Stenhouse really seems like he's kind of in the lead there. But if you focus on just the last six races or so, Chris Buescher starts to 
kind of pull ahead a little bit. So let's break it down as best we can. Ricky Stenhouse in the last 10 races has a top five and a two top 10 finishes here. His average finish is 20.9, which is 16th on the circuit. His driver rating is 20th out of everyone in that time span. Now, if you focus just on the last six races, his average finish drops a bit here to 22.8. He's only got two top 20s in his last six races here. Now, one advantage that Stenhouse does have is that he's starting a little further up front than you might normally see him. He's starting 11th, and that's where he finished last week. So there's something to kind of cling on to if you're a Stenhouse fan. Now, Chris Busher, looking at his last 10 races, he does not have a top 10 finish. So when you look at it kind of apples to apples there, you're like, oh, wow, you know, Stenhouse has him beat. His average finish, Busher that is, is 24.2. But Let's focus a little bit more recently. Last six races, he improves his average finish by five whole positions, 19.3. And he's got five top 20s in that last six race time span. So that's why I'm saying it's kind of tough to distinguish who's really the better driver at this racetrack. Well, Here's a way to prove it. Head-to-head, -head, over the last five races, Busher has a 4-1 lead and has won three straight. He's also off to arguably a better start this season than Stenhouse. So we're going to ride with Chris Busher in this matchup. Kind of talked myself into it there as we were going through it. Minus 115, Chris Busher is the pick. Now, let's get to a really solid matchup. I mean... Just a, a really good one overall here. These are two guys who are off to just dismal starts this year. We, of course, are talking about Eric Almarola and Matt DiBenedetto, two guys whose names will turn your tongue into a knot if you let it. So, 28th in the standings is Almarola, 30th in the standings, DiBenedetto. Both of these guys would tell you that they are disappointed with their first four races. I mean, this is not where either one of them wants to be. They're both kind of in similar positions career-wise because you could argue that both of them are fighting for jobs next year and beyond. So they are definitely stressed out, I would have to imagine. Um, last year, if you were to say that these two were matched up in a head-to-head -head matchup, I would not – I'd be shocked – uh, if they were going off at even odds, but that's where we're at right now. And it's a great, I mean, sports books, sometimes they just do the right thing. They, they see these guys back in the pack and they say, Hey, let's throw them up against each other and see what the hell breaks out. So Matt DiBenedetto, he had a strong start to the race last week, ended up with a 16th place finish. Uh, we had him in the top 10 last year or last week rather, and couldn't pull it out. He's got mid-pack numbers at Phoenix. In his last 10 races, he has one top 10. His average finish is 20.9. He finished eighth in the championship race last fall. In his last six races, his average finish improves a little bit to 18.0. And that's 19th compared to everyone else during that time span. His driver rating, though, is really something that stands out to you. 27th out of everyone. That's pretty surprising. Um, now, you got to consider the fact that he's kind of in poor equipment through some of those races in his past there. So keep that in mind. But, you know, still not good. Either way, you break it down. Now, let's look at Almarola because this track could be exactly what Eric Almarola needs right now. He's 
Going to have to start from further back. He's starting 31st, which is not where anyone really wants to start, but he's got to get it done. He's got solid numbers at this racetrack. So I think maybe starting in the back is less intimidating for them because they know that he's not too bad here. Last 10 races, two top fives, five top tens. If he wanted Almarola to finish in the top 10, because he's done it 50% of the time, plus 175 for Almarola to finish in the top 10. I might be over that. Boys, that's a good one. Average finish is 11.9. That's good enough for six on the circuit. His last six races, his average finish improves even more. 9.6. That's fifth on the circuit. His driver rating is 11th. The lowest he's finished in the last 10 races at Phoenix is 22nd. Last spring, he had the eighth fastest green flag lap. Everything that I'm reading to you is telling us to take Eric Almirola in this head-to-head matchup. So that's what I'm going to do. I mean, the, the driver rating thing is really a big one. 11th compared to 27th. Understand the equipment's different, but... You know, if you say to yourself, well, the, the lowest finish that Almirola has had here in 10 races is 22nd, um, even if he finishes 22nd, there's still a really decent chance that Benedetto could finish behind that. So uh, I like looking at it that way, kind of on that spectrum. So going with Almirola here, minus 115 over Matty D. Hate to do it to our boy Matty D, but in this case, I think Almirola needs a, a snapback. They both do, but I think this is a racetrack that gives him more of an advantage to snap back, despite the Penske love in the 21 car for Matty D. Now we'll go to my third and final matchup that we're going to break down here. And this is a situation where I'm kind of picking against someone. So this is Alex Bowman versus Christopher Bell. Bowman is the guy that I am scared of at Phoenix. All right, so I'm going with Christopher Bell in this matchup. I'll tell you that right off the bat. Alex Bowman, his last seven races here, his average finish is 19.6. That's 19th on the circuit. His driver rating, you say to yourself, well, maybe he's just not getting the finishes that he deserves, right? We talked about that with Tyler Reddick. Maybe he's the same. No, his driver rating is 21st. And we're talking about all of these races at Hendrick Motorsports. It's not like he's racing for these you know, the Tommy Baldwin days of Alex Bowman. No, we're talking about driving the 88 car. So his best finish is actually sixth, which is great, but it was the first time he ever raced in the 88 car. He started on the pole that year. That was 2016. That was a long time ago. Other than that sixth place finish, the highest place finish that he has is 13th. He finished 17th as far as fast as green flag laps were concerned last spring. So clearly what we're learning here about Bowman is Everything we're seeing, stay away from them. That's the thing. But if you're still not sold, we're looking at a little bit deeper dive here. In his entire career, he has only finished ahead of where he started one time. And that was when he started 37th and finished 32nd. So I know that some of these races all time, he was in some lesser equipment. But his last seven races here, we're talking racing in the 88 car. That's Hendrick Motorsports equipment, everyone. I mean, this is not something that you typically see out of someone like Alex Bowman. It's just a stat that kind of took me by surprise. Now, obviously, starting on the pole, 
you know, that's going to be a, an easy layup for this type of pattern or this stat because you got to win the race. And even if you win the race, you're still not finishing ahead of where you started. But I'm talking starting mid-pack, you know, starting just inside the top 10. You got to be able to make improvements on your starting position. And he has not been able to do that at Phoenix. So that just rings so loud in my ear. And where is he starting this week? The answer is 21st. So if that pattern is going to continue, he's not even going to be in the top 20. Now, I think that that pattern snaps this week, but I think he is not going to be able to beat Christopher Bell. We haven't even talked about the second guy in this matchup yet. That's how much I am picking against Alex Bowman. Now, Christopher Bell, there's not much of a book on him here. Two starts, finished 17th and 24th. Both were in the 95 car. He's in better equipment this week week with Joe Gibbs, the 20 car. And, you know, he has shown that being in this better equipment so far this year matters. I mean, he's got a win and a top 10 through four races already. He's the underdog in this matchup. I mean, Phoenix numbers for Christopher Bell are not awesome, but that is not the point I'm trying to make in this head-to-head matchup. I'm going with Christopher Bell because of his small success so far with Joe Gibbs in these four races, 2021. But it's more about Alex Bowman and having to prove himself at this track. So Christopher Bell, minus 109. He's the underdog to Bowman's minus 121. Lock me in for that 20 car. So just to recap those three picks, we're going Chris Buescher, minus 115. Almarola, minus 115. Christopher Bell, minus 109 and a quick wild card for you quick throw in doing pretty well where i you know don't really think too hard about some of the matchups well i see ryan newman versus chase briscoe on here newman's a heavy favorite minus 143 i don't care i hit with it last week i said i'm not taking rookies newman's a pass winner here even though it was a surprise win you could say and newman's been kind of sloppy lately I think that he's able to put together a top 20 race, a top 15 maybe, and beat the rookie Chase Briscoe. Like I said, picking against rookies until they prove me wrong. In this case, it's Briscoe. So prove me wrong, Chase Briscoe, and then maybe I'll stop picking against you. But until that happens, I'm going to ride this out with Ryan Newman in that six car. So maybe uh, if you're feeling you know frisky like that, lock in Newman and put some of these into a parlay and see what comes back. So... We can see if we can keep the magic rolling in the head-to-head section. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Of course, again, I'd like to thank our guest, Jordan Maccabee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. You can find him at FanRacingOnline on Twitter. And give us a follow on Instagram, at Full Tank Phil. Love to hear from you. Let's finish out this mini West Coast Swing Strong and head back to the East Coast, Atlanta, next week with money in our pockets. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Go.